This is the Red on Red podcast on redfm.ie. This week on the podcast, we're talking with Dan and Joe from Cork Alternative Rockers Hope is Noise, about 20 years as a band and their upcoming album.
double dose of heft in disparate qualities. Dead Bog with Vending Machine, their new single released via Teletext Records, and God Alone with Dagda. This is Red on Red, Cork's new music podcast dropping every Wednesday via redfm.ie, as well as iTunes, Google Podcast, and other podcasting platforms. My name is Mike McGrath-Brien, and for the next hour or so, we're chatting with Dan Breen and Joe Jolly of Cork Alt-Rock Godfathers, Hope is Noise. Lads, how's it going? Hi, Mike. How are you doing? Hey, Mike. How are you? Not Godfathers, bad at all. Godfathers, yeah. Godfathers, yeah. You've got a busy couple of weeks ahead now with the upcoming gig at Collins after having released the first single from your upcoming album. Yeah, uh, it's our first time playing Collins. I- imagine you in that room, like... Yeah, we, we're looking forward to it. I think um, we've played stages of all sizes over the last two decades, but uh, I think we always feel very comfortable. We jam in a room probably smaller than Collins, so... We're, we're well used to uh, small spaces and uh, I think we like the energy you can create in a small space, you know? Yeah. And hopefully we'll be able to shoot that out from stage. Support as well from uh, Dancing Bears. You don't see him too often operating solo anymore. Um, I'm not sure if it's a solo show. Very new project. So you wouldn't know with Rory he could turn up with a full orchestra. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, so uh, uh, we asked him if he uh, if he could play and... Uh, he just said, look, I have this new project called Dancing Bears. Can I uh, try that out on the night? And we said, hell yeah. So uh, we're looking forward to having them on board. Yeah, it should be a great night. Happening on November the 30th at Collins. We'll be hearing from a project of Rory Francis O'Brien's a little bit later on. But first, last year saw the premiere of your career documentary at Indie Cork Film Festival, accompanied by a Christmas screening at Fred Zeppelin's. The story of Hope is Noise is kind of well documented, but for those that aren't in the know, maybe take us through how the band came together all that time ago. A, a mixture of melancholic and oven schoolboys, really. That, that's what it was. Um, there's all, as you know, there's all shapes and sizes of people in secondary school. Most people are into chart music, whatever. But you know, you kind of very early on, you get to know who's into what. And sure, by the time I heard that Dan Breen was getting a guitar, I had to have one then. Um, I'd already been tipping around playing the piano, but once you know, once there was another guitar player. In the mix, I said, right, I'm going to get one now as well. Naturally, what do two people that know that that know each other that have just got guitars do? You meet up, don't you? So we met We met up. And we but it actually, some. if you went back one step, I grew up in the same street as Pat. Uh, I've known him since I was six. But he had, he was the first one to have a guitar. And I remember just messing around with it in his bedroom. And we listened to his various satanic records, you know, <laughs> which was my perception of metal at the time. And uh, I remember just messing around with the guitar saying, wow, this is, I really love to get my own. Um, so it was originally with Pat that we started messing around with tunes and stuff. Um, and then, as Joe said, two of us got uh, guitars at the same time. I think it was 95? 94. 94. Christmas 94. Christmas 94, we both got yeah. a guitar. Um, Honer, which, you know, the small little lamp that comes yeah. along, that combi pack. Yeah. And pretty much we started practicing my bedroom. Pat came up, came over, and that's when Pat met Joe. Um, and then I say took another couple of years, but by January 97, Louis, who I met in physics class, simply because we had the same... Or we had... Uh, he was Angelini and I was Breen, so we had to sit next to each other in physics. And, oh, alphabetical order. Yeah, yeah. And so basically uh, he decided he wanted to be a drummer. And so January 97, I suppose, we first started playing as a four-piece. You started playing as Arcane, which lasted Aye. maybe one or two gigs. One or two gigs, yeah. That's it, yeah. This is just one of those stupid names we found in the dictionary, you know. Um, 
didn't sit well. No. Uh, the next name, Terranauts, was what we were became for a while. I don't think that ever really sat well with us. Then we became the New Messiahs. Uh, that was kind of very tolerated. Very that name, arrogant yeah. name, like for what we were. Really, like we, yeah, yeah. we were, we weren't the most arrogant band in the world. <laughs> we were just a nervous band, really. Like, yeah. and to be called the New Messiahs, I don't know. It's, um, it was a name that drew a lot of ire online. Yeah, um, yeah. There was it was back in the the heyday of the kind of the P rock and all that kind of stuff. So. You know, there was a lot of shade being thrown around at that by everyone, like, mm. you know. Oh, we, we we definitely got a good bit of use, but, you know, derogatory remarks and stuff. And, grief. Uh, grief, yeah. I think, would be more yeah. the word. And I think it's definitely influenced how we interact on social media now. We're that kind of generation where we're one foot. A lot of our, where we came from, was the old way of doing things, you yeah. know, under, under the counter, talking face to face, ringing people, that kind of thing. Mm. And then think when initially the internet came, came out, MySpace was brilliant we really that's how we got our first tour in america was through myspace that's how we met bands i just don't think facebook works as well i think for bands as myspace could have and should have you know continued working as you know as you start gigging around the gaff as the new messiahs uh you start to catch the attention of a couple of the regular gig goers in town and you start chatting with one noel lynch from who we'll hear later on in the show yeah noel was a big uh big early fan of ours no let's you know, let's be honest, he'll say it himself. He probably only liked 1%, maybe 2% of what the new Messiahs was doing. But he saw enough in, in us to actually go, yeah, you should keep doing stuff like that. That's really cool. It was an ending of a song. Um, and yeah, we became friends with him. Uh, I later joined El Bastardo. Um, Noel was heavily then involved. You know, he was he's a, still to this day the f- first person we'd send music to to have a listen mm-hmm. to and get some feedback from and Noel knows us you know he knows we're not fucking level stadium 42 ro- yeah we're, 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 yeah we're not we're not we're not stadium rockers or we're not going to be perfection all the way through you know we're four lads who started something as a kind of a hobby and the hobby's grown to be kind of a way of life really you mm. know without it actually dominating everything we do because uh, if it does it becomes too much like hard work as the new Messiahs continues, uh, your singer Chris Morales uh, eventually has to leave the country and you're brought back to being a four-piece, having expanded to a five-piece with uh, his addition. And somewhere along the line, the new Messiahs stops making sense as a band name and something else kind of has to fill the void. Hope is Noise kind of emerges from that ether. You played a gig at Fred Zeppelin's that you were kind of thinking was your last, that you didn't know where to take the project necessarily, and then the Hope is Noise name kind of comes out of the ether. What was that whole process like? And, you know, maybe bring us into how the first two EPs came together. You're 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 asking me specifics now about (laughs) records. Again, I I can barely remember songs, Mike. (laughs) Um, But no, I just remember that whole time being extremely scared and feeling extremely kind of, I suppose, naked or something, do you know what I mean? Because Chris was a great... Um, personality to hide behind and that's something I you know I'd still do to this day I'd kind of half hide on stage unless I'm feeling angry or something you know but Mm. Chris was brilliant because he dominated it everybody was looking at Chris he was the controversial type he was you know brash and big and loud and you know when Chris left I was kind of I suppose I was nervous for two things first of all there's only four back in the band now Um, nervous for Dan really kind of vocally how would he hold up after years of Chris singing you know how would he you know 
how would we adjust to you know playing guitar um, I thought that the pressure might have been coming on me to start singing which I wasn't ready for and you know so I remember just being really scared of it but I think the Fred show kind of we all got a massive lift after that like that gig happened at the jazz funeral in Fred's in 04 and from there you're not too long about setting about getting the name Hope is Noise in people's heads the first two EPs came out and the amount of positive attention that followed you know local awards good reviews etc kind of led you to start gigging more regularly around the country kind of what was that process like in terms of just kind of getting to grips with the industry in your to be honest it was it was easy you know, it was actually very easy to get gigs around the country. It was very easy to organise a tour back then. There just seemed to be collectives and groups and promoters all over the country who were easy to contact. Uh, we had great help with Eamon uh, from Rainbow Records um, and various other people like that. Leo Sullivan. I remember we used to be playing two or three gigs a week at one stage. You know, there was just so many venues trying out live music. Um, yeah. But sadly, you know, that that's changed a great deal since. But... I think for us, um, after Chris left, we wrote a lot of songs. And I think uh, the first one that we went, holy fuck, we can actually write good tunes, was Head and Clouds, uh, Feet in Your Face. When we wrote that, we kind of realised we're writing new types of music now, so we need a new name. So Hope is Noise was born out of that kind of idea that we need to start fresh and take what we've done before, learn from it, and move on. Uh, Joe mentioned about my singing but I think uh, being a backup singer to Chris actually helped me Mm. come more and more forward on stage and actually Mm. go I can sing I can actually carry a tune Um, so without Chris driving us to start the new Messiahs we wouldn't have had Hope is Noise and we wouldn't have had the confidence well I certainly wouldn't have had the confidence to actually stand in front of people and sing my song my or music and then the the first two EPs with uh Hope is noise. We're kind of we learned what we learned from it is that playing live is very different to recording in a studio. They're almost two different skill sets. You know, you could be the best singer live uh, or the best guitarist because you know you're not picking up all the bum notes or the weird frequencies or the sounds because you're just in the in the music in the in the zone for want of a better word. And uh, the minute you uh, go into a studio, it's unforgiving. It picks up everything. You know, so uh, we learned very quickly that um, the records we loved listening to when we grew up, to get them to sound like that, need to be a hell of a lot better than we were. But what they did great was introduce us to Cork. And the, those early 2005, 2006, 2007 Cork scene was it's amazing. Brilliant. Glory, glory days, you know. They really were. For us, they're, they're probably, you know, those three, four, five years were, you know, there were several venues great bands so if you had a gig on there'd be a support band from Cork when we come back we'll talk a little bit about your further studio adventures in putting together your first two LPs but first we're going to go to some tunes coming up we have Terriers Minnie and the Lads with Clean My Bones featuring Daniel Breen on guest vocals Minnie asked me to uh, throw vocals down this song they had Clean My Bones I love the name of the song uh, and I love the melody the lads had come up with I threw in a few I think an extra part in there somewhere but um, I was very conscious that I didn't want to shout it or scream it uh, because really you don't get a, a, a better shouter than Minnie mm. and you don't get a better uh, screamer than Seb so I wasn't going to do both I was going to try and just sing it uh, and it turned out really well Cracker of a tune 
We also have 10 past 7 featuring Rory Francis O'Brien supporting you on November 30th with Johnston's Cows. You geeked a fair bit with uh, 10 past 7 back in the times. Yeah, I always was so intimidated by them because they were like, for me, they were just like a, a group of three lads they were like savants they, they were just such good musicians like the best gear the, the the songs were just so complicated like I mean we came from like a completely different school like we were you know Dan and me would have been nerding out in Nirvana back in the day and like it wasn't complex stuff but I think we were always into melody and you know we we kind of let the complex stuff go because number one we didn't practice as much as these lads we we didn't like practice we, we like getting together and and playing, but I don't think the two of us were ever the sort of people yeah, who sat down week, at no. home in our, our rooms and, and practice and practice and practice, you know, until yeah. fingers bled or whatever. No, we we kind of just enjoyed the. We thought we were young, and I remember the first yeah, time we saw ten past seven in the Wolfhound, just now Bar Pagal on Barrick Street. Jesus, and it was the power, young, you know, you know, just the, the power, the power, power of it, the like, energy, you know, yeah, that yeah. power trio cliches, whatever. But my God, like we we'll get yeah. straight into it. So from one powerful act to another, this is Terriers with "Clean My Bones" here on Red on Red.
Weirdo, bog, funk, metal, noise. 10 past 7 with Johnson's Cows here on Red on Red. Still joined in studio by Dan and Joe from Hope is Noise. And before we went to the jump, we were talking a little bit about how Hope is Noise came together, how the first two EPs kind of helped bands solidify themselves really in the minds of Cork gig goers. The late 2000s saw you capitalise on that by releasing your first two albums recorded in studio with Kieran O'Shea. Kind of bring us through working with him a little bit and just kind of getting the sound that you did, especially on that first record. Well, well, well I already said how uh, the first two EPs was a big, steep learning curve when it comes to working in a studio. Um, working with Kieran, I think, was an even bigger, you know, the EPs were a certain level, but Kieran wanted us to perform and play and produce songs at, a, at another level. So at the time, we, we very much, uh, you know, let him take... The, the lead we obviously brought the songs um, they were pretty much written as that you know there was a few arrangement things but looking back um, I think that whole process for us even though the album is generally loved by everyone that first album it's probably still our most popular in terms of you know the feedback we've got from it we were complete novices we didn't really have the confidence in what we were doing um, and I think we'd had our time over there's certain things we'd have definitely done a bit different and probably uh, you know in terms of sounds and you know style and things like that but you know Kieran was very produced everything was cut it was very polished and I think deep down we knew and we we know we're not that polished you know mm. we're a very rough rough and ready band I love the songs very much so but Again, I think we could have, you know, we'd have recorded differently. If we were doing that album, no, it would be done very differently. Because there's a little bit of a jump between how polished Applaud Friends is to how Under Friendly Fire kind of strikes that balance a bit more finely. Definitely by the second album, we realised if we want to have songs that don't need to be cut, don't need to be, you know, put together, for example, we need to start writing chords and having big beefy songs and songs that we can play live and there's not a massive difference between what they sound on record and how they sound live. Um, there's always going to be a little difference but um, gradually as the albums have progressed that difference is getting smaller and smaller those two records came out to huge critical acclaim from the outlets etc that listened to them and platformed them and that led to as well as an extension of your Irish touring gigs in Europe gigs in America and so on and so forth culminating in two separate tours of the West Coast with different DIY promoters how did that all come together and have you any road stories for us? oh lord well, I suppose the the main contact was Hostel Comover, a group of, I suppose, godfatherly gentlemen, to use the word you used earlier. Um, we played with them in, uh, we played with them in Cork. We definitely Cork played with them Limerick. in Limerick in the boat club anyway. Yeah. So, you know, a few drinks in, you know, come over to America was bandied about. And like we did, 2007. Um, tremendously exciting. Like even leading up to it. It was like... It was like getting ready for holidays. It was so much fun. Like, and the tour itself, we had a massive entourage with us. It's like about twelve or thirteen of us went over. Like, totally non-pro thing to do. Oh, like, turn up and <laughs> like, here. There's six. We brought six people with yeah. us, and and it was like hotel motels. Sometimes just you know, it was it wasn't the most glamorous of uh, okay. There was no Hiltons. There was no nothing above one star. I'd say, but uh, road stories. I don't know. Is is the, what's the watershed? There is no watershed. This is a podcast. The maddest thing I remember was probably Arcata. It just seemed to be the most maddest place. It's a little town in the north of California. Humboldt County. Isn't Humboldt it? County. Yeah, yeah, it's like the it was the medicinal marijuana 
growing capital of, of the West Coast. So instead of winos around the place, yeah. you just had guys off their face like on benches and stuff. But I was we played two gigs there, and one of them was in a one squat. One of them was in a squat. Yeah. Oh yeah, funny story from the squat. We literally played the gig and tidied up the gear and went to sleep where we basically played the gig. And somebody moved the drum kit into one of the bedrooms in the squat. Mm. Um, so you had all the kit in there. I know it was about half two, three o'clock in the morning. It was pitch black. See a guy, a guy who lived in the squat coming back in. Uh, but nobody told him they'd put the drum kit in his room. And he went in there in the darkness. Next minute, all you holy fuck shit fuck <laughs> things flying around and he came out cursing at everyone but um, myself and Pat I think um, is one of those like being back at school we were trying to hold in the laughter because you know he was a big guy and you know, he didn't want to cross him we just laughing our asses off for us it was meeting people like minded on the opposite side of the second world who had yeah you exactly. know who weren't doing it for money weren't doing it for anything other than yeah, and like stereotypes out the window, you know, it, it's it's literally. It was you know, se- it was it was sex, drugs, and rock and roll, Joe. That tour, yeah, without it, the it, sex, at least without <laughs> sex, yeah. Um, and, um, what struck me is just traveling from the the north of America down to mm-hmm. you know, pretty much Canadian border down to the Mexican border, and just the range of scenery, yeah, you know. I uh, think that the Washington and the red the redwood forest oh, was just, was just stand out for me, like um, just. But again, we didn't approach this, like everything we do with this band, we did not approach that tour as a serious business opportunity. Oh God, and I no. think if you had to tour America again properly, if you go back 15 years and we were going over to do it, you'd focus on one state, one yeah. city, and you'd spend three months there or whatever just touring, yeah. playing there, you know, um, because it's just so vast. Like, you know, we went from playing gigs to 100 people to, to play to ourselves, basically, and to two people, then and to other bands, and, and other bands, and mm. we played a gig in San Francisco where the sound engineer got fired because he forgot to put on the speakers. You know, all the vocals were coming out, the monitors on stage, and I remember the owner just coming in halfway through the gig. He hadn't been here for so the first two bands had been on, and there was no vocals coming out of the, the front speakers. Um, well, there wasn't that many people there to actually make it a massive mm. deal. It was a two o'clock in the afternoon kind of show. Uh, but the manager came in and just effing fucking blinded the uh, sound engineer. He got fired right on the spot, you know. Bloody um, hell! But you know, it's just little things like that. Look, Jesus, man, it's 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 eleven years ago, so we don't remember all of it. And I think we probably really can't say a lot of what happened on that tour. Cause, uh, yeah. Flash forward to 2016, and these experiences formed the backbone of the song Narlsberg, which kind of uh, neatly summed up the DIY touring experience in a nutshell. That record kind of sticks out to me in terms of not only in its immediacy but its honesty in terms of dealing with the everyday dealing the title demons refers to you know the, di- the different difficulties that we all face in everyday life between friendships family um, memory and so on and so forth maybe take us through some of the concepts and experiences behind demons everything from like born again friend to Narrowsburg it all seems very personal well if you have to if you want to understand demons you kind of have to go back to this used to be a laugh which is the kind of Mini album before it. Mini album before it, and that was very much a cathartic thing. That was very much a, you know, Lawrence was closing down the studio. We'd four days to record something. We literally went in and went, Bleh! you know, and then there was a few bit more overdubbing done in ban- uh, Bantry when he moved down there. But that was very much the title says it all. You know, we were getting kind of sick and tired of the. Well, I was personally getting sick and tired of it. Uh, but doing that album actually went reinvigorated. 
and I stopped writing songs about kind of obs- not obscure but just you know general things and the writing definitely in Demons is a bit more personal uh, Born Again Friends about a friend of ours who came found, found God pretty much and that was it kind of cut contact um, but did in such a way that kind of they just left a bad taste in our mouth you know he kind of just disappeared not, not so much of a by the way lads but look that's you know that's a long time ago now we you know I think uh, we've got over it at this stage but at the time that song was very much yeah. of its time you know like most of our songs they're of a time but that directness and that earnestness kind of set the stage nicely for what you were doing musically you had taken the more immediate direction of this used to be a laugh the kind of down and dirtiness and kind of welded it to those big hope is noise tunes again uh, is that something we can expect on the next record or no the next record is very different in terms of we've recorded it very different again it's something we did I think four days in total yeah very lo-fi not as many guitar tracks as would be on other albums but it's still you know it's still pretty big but it's not uh, again it's, it's we don't make a lot of money so we just need to record when when and how we can and you know um, gone are the days where we could spend six months at something oh, so God, yeah. it needs yeah. to be sharp quick and just get it out there and move on pretty much you know but it does seem to suit you know the songwriting process that you have it does seem to be true to your live experience as well as we've seen with well, yeah, the last two records that's as so. I said the difference between if you compare the first album yeah, to the yeah. new album you know I mean that's what's happened over the years you just you know the live show is. I don't know whether the live show is getting closer to the record or vice versa but you know when we started there was no way us four could replicate what we did on record it was too polished too clean and yeah. right now we can because we're recording in a more a more natural way for us you know yeah a more honest, realistic way, yeah, really. You realistic, know? yeah. And I think we've 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 uh, we've come become comfortable in our own skin to actually not give a shit, you know. Yeah. And really only care about us because if we don't care about it and don't like what we're doing, then we're not going to keep meeting up. No, that's writing true. songs. Not you know? not at our age, no. You know. When we come back, we'll talk about some of the songwriting behind the new album. But first, we're going to go back to some tunes. We have uh, the dastardly duo I'll Eat Your Face with Tony's Coming to Massage Me from their 2010 album Irritant. You're some lads that shared some road times. Again, another great 2005, 2008 maybe period where 10 past 7. I'll Eat Your Face, just brilliant tours with those lads. Such a laugh when you think back on it, you know. Um, I spend most of your time laughing. Laughing, like really, drinking, that, yeah. Just yeah. laughing at at them, <laughs> you know? with them, at them. With you them, know, they, they were just funny guys. Two of the you funniest know? guys, like um, you'll ever meet, and just and class they, musicians, like you know, class musicians. But they egged each other on, like oh, yeah. the way that they were, the way that they got on, like and they, they, and uh, you know, like geez, I, I I often think they were a terrible influence over Pat. You know, <laughs> Pat and the two Barrys used to get up to awful mischief, like you know. Yeah. Where's Pat going? Oh, he's off Barry. Oh, Jesus! You know. <laughs> yeah. No, they were just great. La- and that's look. When you're touring, and boring a lot of the time. You know, you're in a van or you're waiting for the gig to start. Um, so it's it always helps to have some some support band which you get on with and yeah, you can just is. chat and have a laugh with. You know, we did a, t- uh, uh, a tour there last year. It was the year before. Tain. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, Noel Jackson, sorry, Noel Jackson from Boats. Yeah. Um, he was just filling in bass for uh, for Tain. Jeez, just hanging out with them. It made the whole weekend just flew. And by the end of it, you're kind of going, oh, God, I'd love to be out for another couple of days with them, you know? Yeah. Um, we also have Horse with Drone. Uh, Minnie and uh, Kieran, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Kieran Hennessy. 
he's uh, he's done a few things with us live in the past. You know, he's played in a couple of. Uh, he hasn't made it onto record yet. Well, there's been plenty of talk of it. But the power of the golden bear can be uh, difficult to get into a studio <laughs> to harness. Uh, even. To harness yeah. and get into our, you know, it's studio. too raw to pin down at times. That's yeah. why I'm afraid to bring him on the podcast. Yeah, yeah I don't bring him. We did yeah. a podcast with him. Um, oh, that was, that was a couple years, years ago, ago, and it's possibly one of the funniest things. Oh yeah, I've ever been doubled over. Yeah, it's his laugh, infectious. His laugh, yeah. He's got one of those. Um, you know, it's funny to hear him laughing, then you laugh, and then it's just a vicious circle. Yeah. A crazy eight. We'll get straight into it. This is I'll Eat Your Face with Tony's coming to massage me here on Red on Red.
Leaside heft four-piece horse with drone here on Red on Red, still joined in studio by Dan and Joe from Hope is Noise. And just before the jump, we were talking about the studio process behind the band's fifth album coming up at some stage next year. But kind of bring us through what the process was with writing and creative now, in that each record has kind of had a very strong theme. Like you mentioned earlier, they're definitely of their time. Kind of what's on the line for discussion this time around for Hope is Noise in 2018? Uh, I would say, you know, a lot of the current, you know, there's some personal stuff. Not as much as just current affairs, really, you know. Uh, Repeal the 8th mm. is covered in there. Donald J. Trump is covered there, you know. We've titled the album uh, Anchors on the Soul, basically. You know, it, it's really just about things that, you know, kind of just seem to hang over there and kind of pull you down. Um, without being, you know, this isn't... Uh, uh, it's more a state of... Oh, I used to see the world, you know, from the lyrics and the music then is a, is kind of aggressive and it's songs, a lot of the songs are shorter now. Mm. We've kind of a bit more, let's get to the bloody point, bringing what we've learned from previous things into this new one and mm. we don't set out with a right, let's write a concept album, but this is probably as close to a concept album as we've ever done in terms of the way we've laid the songs out, the mm. way we've um, titled the songs, the, the structure of the songs. It has a kind of intensity there, mm. you know. And does that intensity kind of come from the result of jam sessions or is everybody kind of working away on their own bits and then showing each other riffs? Or You know, irrespective of kind of what the end product is, we've always kind of, Dan would come with a riff, you know, and we'd, we'd all kind of work around it and flesh it out and add bits to it. But, you know, I suppose especially the last two records we've done, the, the direction's definitely been a bit different. I suppose maybe we feel a bit more relaxed too when we're musically. Anyway, I'm definitely more relaxed and I know the lads probably are. So... Again, we're not writing to please anyone but else. That's anymore, it. Uh, yeah, you know? exactly. So you can be a bit more prolific, actually, when you when you take that kind of approach. Like, and like you know, know with most like like bands like us, and there's you know thousands of other DIY bands out there. Um, when they go to record an album, you record whatever you get time to write. You know, like a lot of the big bands might record twenty songs, and then pick their ten best songs. We'll just uh, we record what we've written. You know. We just, just don't have the time or the um, mm. the luxury to actually spend all that time in the studio recording 20, 30 songs and then picking the best 10 to make an album. Mm. Yeah. Um, which I think, obviously, if you... Um, well, if you've got turkeys in there, you're a bit goosed. Like, excuse the mixing and that's of why, my uh, animals you know, there. W- you know, I think, you know, um, that's why the first album, I think, in, in many ways, the str- all the songs on the first album are very strong because there's a three or four year writing period there. Mm. You know, we worked in those songs for a long period of time. Yeah, it was four years for each song. That's right, Dan, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, all the other albums ever since, it's a year and a half, two years, you know. Um, you just try and, try and do a song every couple of jams. In our case, we write it, you know, we would write a new song every jam. Whether we remember it by the next jam is, yeah. is another story. But and if we do remember it, then it's it's a stare. But again, it's because it's so relaxed now. Like, we, we, we've no problem calling calling something a song, whereas before we might have been... I'm not saying they're worse quality, but, mm. but we, you know, we've confidence as well in ourselves, finally, which is great, you know? Mm. For all these years of second-guessing ourselves, no, with people like that, we're just going, well, no, we like it, so it goes That's on record, it, and, you know? You know, I think people people pick up on that. We learned that live. Yeah. That if you play like you're genuinely love it, which we do, you're not going through the motions and you're actually, you know, look, you can listen and like it if you don't. Well, you know, no skin off mine. Mm. 
my nose, you know. But speaking of being received well in a live environment, uh, even back at the gigging trail a lot recently, you recently opened for Talos at a private show at Live at St. Luke's. What was it like to kind of trod the boards on that massive stage and play the music ye play? Because there hasn't been a whole bunch of big, loud music yet over at St. Luke's. It was um, nerve-wracking. Sound check was scary. Uh, I have a big voice, as it is, but I found when I sung at my level, the echo in the hall, it just made me sound, you know, twice as loud. Um, But actually, we we used very little distortion in that gig. Um... And we were able to... Um, and it's not really the distortion or the guitars that's the issue in there. It's more the drums. Mm. So if you play loud, the drums have to hit loud. And if yeah. they hit loud, that's the sound that just travels constantly, you know. Um, but it was brilliant. Great night. It's Joe and all the staff were brilliant. Yeah, and like it's, it, it's that thing that we wouldn't be used to. And like you remember from, you know, the odd time when you played when we played the opera house with Slobos, when you look in and you see like silhouetted dark faces, like, you know... For us, we're an intimate gig kind of band, and it can be it can be very intimidating and nerve wracking playing to a big crowd, like you know, sweaty palms, the, the whole shebang, you know, mm. quivery voice, you know. It's but great experience. It must have been the polar opposite, so to play the Siege of Limerick recently, as well as headlining Dolan shows for a bad rep. Yeah, it's um, it's a great room. It's a great room, and and they're so so lads know like, how to. Yeah, that's a smooth smooth uh, operating machine you know the way they just organise the gig place for the gear the you know the, there's no massive delay um, it's just brilliantly run they look after the bands the crowd are into it which is all you want you know when you play somewhere like the Siege is just you know um, people are into the music you play and it, it, it's not specifically oh they like your band but they like your intent and the yeah. what's coming out and uh, so we would have definitely probably been one of the lightest bands up there um, oh, without a doubt I'd without say. a doubt yeah, yeah. Uh, being in the middle of that kind of 12 hour marathon of death metal black metal thrash yeah hardcore. but I, again I'll say it um, when it comes to music and back the Cork scene 2005-2008 there were bands from all those genres hanging out and playing together um, and again it was nothing to do with your music it was more about personalities and you know just the same um, intention and enthusiasm to be playing um, and that's what you get in the siege it is and they're very open like it's not like you know you're going back to the 80s and playing with like the Judas Priest likes or you know there's no clickiness they were they just they just you know if you if you come up and you you do your stuff honestly I'd say they'd appreciate it and they did you know but speaking of doing things honestly as we mentioned at the outset of the show you're together 22 years if we're being specific and obviously you're still having these new experiences, you're still going, you know, to new venues and you're still kind of, again, you're getting first out of the way. But what strikes me more so than what you've done over the years and how strong your songs have been personally as a listener is how you still have that vim and vigour. You still have that zeal to approach things the way that you do. Kind of what's your secret, if any, to the longevity of Hope is Noise. Very simple. Don't turn music into work. And if you want to be a very successful professional band nowadays, music is your life. It's your livelihood. Mm. So it becomes work. And if you need to spend six months getting an album right because you want it to sell very well and chart very well, then you have to work incredibly hard to do that. But you sacrifice a lot of other areas of your life. Like there was no danger of us ever burning out from it, Mike. Let's put it that way, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. And and that's that's it. It's it's as simple as that. You know, there's there's lots of bands 
uh, that we've known. I, I think Pat did a count there a couple of years ago. It's 38 cork bands have broken up in the time Opus Noise have been around. Mm. So 38 cork bands have started and broken up. Oh, that's probably true who we know. Yeah. There's probably mm. loads more, but a lot of them all started out with probably the same intentions we have. Let's write some cool music, you know, but again, um, even the experience we had, Slow Motion Heroes, which is probably the most commercial um, leaning band I think I've ever, the two of us have ever been involved with in terms of there was a definite drive to try and get this on the radio and get etc etc but it became very apparent very quickly you know even with that and we had a lot of good feedback and a lot of good support within the industry we still have, would have had to sacrifice a lot of our own you know private life and personal life to actually make it work mm. um, and I think once you make peace with the fact that it's you know that you're doing this for enjoyment in, in, and writing good music like the thing is if we were writing crap songs we wouldn't be doing this so we know that what we're doing we're enjoying and people seem to enjoy it so that's enough for us to you know play play you know uh, like this year is probably the lowest amount of gigs we've played in in a long time you know it is yeah and we've played a few more gigs outside of Cork which is great Collins is only our third gig in Cork like we're well aware you can't overplay Cork yeah you know what I mean and you're hurting your draw yeah and that's why uh, hopefully before the Collins gig the uh, the new documentary will be out on YouTube so this will be something to hopefully get people interested to come along you know little things like that and, and the next hopefully next year the next time we play will be around the album launch which we hope to do in February when we come back we'll talk a little bit more about Collins as well as the upcoming documentary but first we're going to go to some more tunes El Bastardo another side project of Dan Breen's featuring Noel Lynch with My Name Is Shite well, um, Joe was in it as well for I, I, was, the keys. I keep forgetting who's in all these bands Jesus. yeah it's no a, initially uh, El Bastardo was a four piece and then we became a ten piece wasn't it? it was a ten piece yeah so you had your two drummers bass bass two guitars two guitars a keyboards uh, a saxophone, saxophone player and a clarinet clarinet player clarinet and two singers and two singers and who played clarinet Brina 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 Ring Okay. Um, and um, Kenny played trumpet, was it? No, Kenny played saxophone. Saxophone, yeah. Yeah. It was um, so a cacophony. Brilliant man. It was so so powerful. Like I think my favorite my favorite gig of all was the 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 Mantua gig. We did a festival. It was Mantua's in County Roscommon, and it was it was just a crazy. Like we we all kind of went into fancy dress. I remember thinking Barry was dressed in a surgeon's coat or something like that. It was it was all madness. It was great. Great times and the crowd loved it. Well, it was brilliant view. Yeah, yeah. I was a yeah. sober guy in the middle watching everyone else off their face or drunk or something. No, wh- and why did you do that to yourself? That's just how that's just happened to be. Okay. I think I was the most sober on stage. Okay. I was, it was a, a, an exhilarating experience looking around and seeing the madness. Um, well, ten- but the following day, Hope was Noise were meant to play Mitchellstown, the very first Mitchellstown. They had it in the square. Myself and Joe turned up covered in mud from Mantua. Because <laughs> I actually lost my keys in the mud in Mantua and I had to leave my car up there and get a lift down to Cork to play this Mitchellstone. And all our gear was Actually, back was when it was car. in the square, when Independence was in the square in Mitchellstone. Before they went up to the Deer Park. So all our gear was in Joe's car, so we had to bike, borrow and steer pedals and etc, etc. And we, we were awful. Oh, terrible. Oh, it was one of the worst gigs it I think so ever. so humiliating. Like. Yeah, yeah, it was really bad. Yeah. We didn't know what we were doing. We were too hungover, too everything. And that's why we never played Mitchellstown again until, what, 2017? Yeah. You were welcomed back, though. That was it. 2017. Yeah. That was a great gig. That, that was, was a brilliant gig. Really, yeah. really enjoyed that. <coughs> yeah, really enjoyed it. We yeah. also have Rest, uh, your compatriots, with Sol Luna Astra. Yeah, well, you can't. Ballon Colleague is a hip and happening place when it comes to the Cork music scene. 
Hope it's noise, rest, no lynch. Telling you. We're all Ballincollig. But if we went out to Ballincollig trying to find a place to play a gig out there, I think we played the Oriel House once years ago. We did, yeah, that's right. Uh, Have you tried the White Horse actually? <laughs> no, the White Horse, no, you know, it's, it, it's doing really well, you know, for the, the, the you know, the, the scene and the, that it's going for, you know. But again, let's be honest, Mike, you know, I think guitar music in general, especially our type of guitar, alternative, that kind of. Uh, too heavy for the pop too poppy for the heavy um, there just isn't the crowd there for it anymore there just isn't an audience in Ireland and uh, unless you're on the radio which is a, a real good way of getting people to come to your gigs really because if you're on the radio constantly people hear it and they'll want to come mm. um, but we write music that isn't really suited or it's just not it's just not radio friendly I suppose in, in many ways we'll get into it so this is El Bastardo with My Name Is Shite here on Red On Red
Thanks for the water. Rest with Sol Luna Astra here on Red on Red. Right before we wrap up this week's episode of the show, Joe, Dan, you've got that upcoming gig on November 30th at Collins with support from Rory Francis O'Brien's new project, Dancing Bears. Kind of, what are your thoughts heading into it? Like, you're going to be playing new material from the upcoming album, giving that its, its extended trial run, really, in front of, you, you know, the kind of the regular Cork gig-going audience. What are your thoughts heading into it? looking forward to it really like it's as Dan said earlier it's uh, it's our first time ever playing in there we, we've all been in there at gigs watching matches I remember actually Ireland beating England in the Six Nations in there watching rugby so like it, it's it's a cork room you know and you know be interested to see we'd love to say everyone come along but you know they and won't we, all fit we never really <laughs> thought of playing there because we always thought we'd be too loud or you know too noisy uh, but we met uh, Brian Assey you know and he just went, uh, why haven't you ever played Collins? He asked Pat one night. I was going, oh, we're too heavy. No, you're not. Because they've been looking to get different things in there. Because Collins has a very strong reputation as a folk venue. But like, they've, they've had some mad shit in there prior as well. well that's the thing. We know Hassie from way back when he was in Four Face Liar. And we used to play a lot of gigs with them too. You know, mm. that golden period, you know, 2004 mm. to 2008. And uh, uh, so we made a lot of good friends in that period. Um, you know, they, they're not all living, still living in Cork, but... You know, we still keep in touch with a lot of them, and it's and we're just really looking forward to playing there. You know, it's it's it, it and it's nice to play in a venue we haven't played before because the venues in Cork are shrinking and shrinking and shrinking, um, and we love playing Fred's. But Jesus, you can't outstay your welcome playing one place all the time. You know. And have you thought of approaching kind of the DIY collectives about playing these kind of BYOB shows that happen off the grid? Well, yeah, we have done our share of those. We've done too, our share yeah. of those, but like again. Um, nobody stopping you know we're quite happy you know for anyone to get in touch with us um, we're always willing to play gigs obviously not every 10 minutes yeah. we're too old for that but uh, 
you know anyone out there who wants to hope it's nice to bring a bit of uh, pizzazz to their birthday parties I suppose <laughs> really 21st are our speciality yeah we. Oh, I remember we played a gig in Mitchellstown uh, uh, last year oh yeah in 2017 and we were playing with a young band forget the name um, they asked us down they obviously liked the record but when they turned up when we turned up um, the sound engineer just had a conniption he didn't know what to do with the noise level yeah and to be honest now we were already on stage lower than we would be in the jamming room yeah Um till it got to the point we're not going any lower so the kids it was a kind of a what was it a secondary school thing so there was um, I think it was a leaving cert part or leaving I, cert I, thing I, but I couldn't tell the you the band were so young all their friends were there it was a pub in Mitchellstown oh back garden area and ne- next minute um, all the kids just it was too loud for them kept yeah. going back and all their dads came forward Hey, so yeah. it's funny all the, the, the dads and the moms actually loved, liked what we did because I think it remind, they were our age mm. it reminded them of you know back in the day the kids and the band were really good really um, I think I don't know it's it's, it's very strange in, in our day the louder the better everyone's been well, mp 3 they're going to have the last <laughs> laugh with their actually okay hearing yeah it's true you know yeah. they won the loudness wars they did yeah they did <laughs> Well, like the, the the thing is, if you know, uh, we are all suffering in our hearing. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> what? Who? You know. Yeah. Background noise. No, if someone's background noise here, I couldn't hear you. You know, these 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 are the things we'll carry for the rest of our lives through sheer uh, stupidity. Really, we should have should have yeah. been using earplugs sooner. But uh, you li- you'd love to say this is the point at which you say you live and learn, but you don't really. Like you, you, you fumble just, on through to the next thing. Like the only yeah. thing I think I'd change with this band. If we could go back and start again, I'd have said we practice more. Mm. I, you know, when we're young and nothing to do, you know, we're driving around cars, listening to music, or sitting somewhere drinking cans. I'd have just said, "Let's go jam." Yeah, yeah. and I, that that that's the only thing I've changed. Ah, but hindsight, you know? hindsight, hindsight is brilliant. Hindsight's yeah. got a pair of glasses on, hasn't it? Yeah, it always yeah. does. And the upcoming Collins gig kind of leads you on nicely to the new year where you kind of have things set in stone for the release of the new album kind of what can you what can you indulge us with yet well we have a few irons in the fire waiting for a potential launch venue to get back to me Um, uh, again as you know our history Mike we've always a lot of our album launches have been different you know Mm. first album launch was probably our Cypress Avenue we sold Cypress Avenue out Um, second album launch we did three gigs in one night um, I don't think we did anything major for Demons so I think we might try and do something for this you know uh, hopefully we're looking at maybe doing a video for the next song to come out in the new year uh, but all looking well it'll be February that's all from this week's episode of Red on Red Cork's new music podcast from redfm.ie thank you very much to Dan and Joe from Hope is Noise for joining us this episode thank you thanks, Mike. Mike thanks a million for coming along and thank you very much for listening if you like what you're hearing please take the time to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes and now Google Podcasts as well as other podcasting platforms please share this on your social media and make sure to check out the artists featured online or at an upcoming gig and if you'd like more Irish tunes please be sure to listen in to Green on Red on Sunday nights with Alan O'Donovan for the best of all that is Irish on Cork's Red FM 104 to 106 you're leaving us with uh, a track of years from the upcoming album this is Hope is Noise with The Great White. Well, the Great White is a tribute to a very good friend of ours, Lawrence White, who tragically passed away. I suppose a lot, we were talking a lot during the podcast about the, the process and the, the, at least definitely the last three records, you know, have been massively, massively influenced by Lawrence. He, he's sang, he's produced, he's, 
you know, put up with our our crap, put up with our lack of professionalism, put up with our terrible musicianship. And he's just just basically a legend. And um, the song is, you know, back to the honesty thing. The lyrics leave you no doubt, you know, talking about the times he had him talk about his stories. And, you know, it's a, it's a tribute to the man. This is Hope is Noise with the Great White. This has been Red on Red. And we'll talk to you next week.
red on red. Perfect. Uh, <clears throat>